I'm Marlo Higgins, and I've spent nearly four decades as an entrepreneur building boundaries around time and energy. I am captivated by stories of creating that mythical balance between priorities and success without the guilt and fear of missing out. I'm a to-the-point business coach that helps start a company, rebrand another, and launch my own. Now I'm running a thriving online brand with the white space in my calendar to spend time with my family, nurture my soul, and create an impact in our world. Are you dreaming of striking a balance between a thriving business and a joyful life? It is possible, and it starts with you. Get out your field notes, and let's tap into Peaceful Achievers, inspiring you to create a vision, level up your skills, and show you how to set boundaries that support the life you desire. This is 22 Minutes to Having It All. All right, this is an exciting episode with Chris Cheatham. He is making insurance tech things happen. So he comes to us from the state of Kansas, and it's a fascinating episode because he talks about entrepreneurship, clarity, sustainability, technology. And so this is an episode, if you want you know, to really learn somebody who's like pivoted out of a career, started in law and was a lawyer and then transferred himself into pretty much the tech sector and then with an insurance niche. And so I think one of my favorite statements that was spoken is picking a niche to get rich. You know, it's marketing, it's branding, it's a really strong, solid conversation. And so listen in as Chris Cheatham discusses how he went from learning how things work, particularly in in insurance, until turning that into a bigger business where you can trust a brand and find solutions. And so Chris is just an amazing human. I really enjoyed the episode. I know you will too. And so keep this in mind. Remember to go to the website because we have created the daily something and it is something that you want to participate because it is a service that we provide that offers you the framework to the having it all lifestyle. And so to learn more, go to our website, www.marlhiggins.com and also subscribe, share this with your friends so we can get more like-minded people to expand this reach and to learn together. So have an awesome rest of your day and I'll talk to you again next week. Welcome back to this week's episode of 22 Minutes to Having It All. We've got Chris Cheatham with us and he is making insurance tech things happen. So we're going to get a better understanding of what that is today. He's good at learning how things work, particularly insurance technology business, and then telling the story in the business so that the consumers trust the brand and the solution. And so, Chris, I'm excited to have you on and sharing your insight today. So thanks for being a guest. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. All right. So let's unpack that for a minute. So making insurance tech things happen, define that and describe for our listeners what that means. Yeah, I mean, it can mean a lot of different things, right? Kind of in the insurance world, I think of front office and back office. So like back office is like claims and documents and filings and all that stuff. And then front office is getting people to buy insurance. And so in my career, I've kind of done both back office and front office stuff. And I've done commercial lines, which is like a policy on a building, giant building insurance. And then now at Steadily Insurance, I'm doing a, a landlord insurance which is basically like somebody's home and with their home, they if they're renting it out, they need to get a landlord insurance policy like the ones we have at Steadily so that they cover like the liability associated with a renter plus the stuff associated with owning a home. Chris, you started out in law. 
Okay. What was the yep. transition into insurance? Like, where did that experience take you? And why did you embrace the insurance spectrums as much as you have in life? That's a great question. Probably the true, most truthful answer is that's where I got a job. My dad was like a insurance executive. And so he turned around to some of the law firms he worked with. And he was like, hey, my son's about to graduate from law school or he needs a summer internship. Anyone interested? And so a bunch of people raised their hands and said yes, because they wanted his business, right? And so myself working in Washington, D.C. and other firms, learning different parts of insurance law. So did you become an accidental entrepreneur? Uh, Yeah, that was even different. Well, I, I often say like attorneys are all, they're all entrepreneurs, even if they don't realize it, because they have to bring in their own business if they want to become a partner, which was kind of what I had in mind. But then... I kind of got burned out on the practice of law for a variety of reasons. I still knew I liked doing, at the time, I really liked insurance claims, like large insurance claims, like big projects that go wrong and helping sort those out. And so, yeah, that's when I kind of stumbled into being an entrepreneur, even though I didn't really know what the word meant, uh, where I started my own company that was helping company, helping insurance companies manage large claim document organization. So you launched that company, Risk Genius, and then it was an acquired business. So we've got like some amazing things to, to take our audience to. I mean, like when you went into this, Chris... Where you are today, did you have a mapped out plan of like, this is where I'm going to see myself? Or how did you bring yourself yeah. forward into the success that you have had in business? I mean, it was, I think it was really, really hard for me personally, because I didn't really know what I was getting into. This is the way I would explain it. You know, that was back in 2011. And so initially it was, we were just a service, right? We were going to jobs, construction job sites and copying construction documents as fast as we could before we get kicked off the site by whoever the contractor was. And then from there, we were using somebody else's software application to store those documents and make them available. And that's when like insurance companies weren't very comfortable with the cloud. I remember like I had this one exec, insurance executive say to me like, yeah, I don't really like the cloud, but man, Dropbox is really doing some good stuff for me. And I was like, mm, pretty sure that's the cloud. <laughs> and so like trying to get people to use software and then realizing the problems with the software that we were licensing that other people are using and then making the fateful mistake to try and build my own software, not me personally, but that like outsource it and then outsource it to people that were outsourcing it to someone else and then running out of money while we're building it and then trying to scrape by and get it all sorted out. Yeah, it's a struggle. And I think we're like, it's really interesting to like talking about this right now here in 2023, because we're like in this entrepreneur reset, particularly in the software world, technology world, where I think that right now is more like 2010, 2011 than it was like 2021, 2022. That was not a real entrepreneur technology time, in my opinion. Like It was like this inflated expectations. You didn't really need a product. Whereas back in 2011, you had to do something real. And so we're there again, which is great because real stuff will start getting created again. That's interesting. Uh, what would you say, you know, through this experience and as you describe it, and you've had to figure a lot of things out, Chris, how did you turn within to find the answers to doing what you've done? How have you achieved that? Uh, different answers along the way. Uh, like one of the things that really helped me personally is meditation. And it wasn't just, just that moment in time where you get a little bit of break from your brain. 
it was also then applying those concepts later on when your re- your brain starts going off the track or off the rails and you're like, wait a second, don't worry about that. That's in the future. Let's do X right now. So it took me a long time to get to that spot. Working out, honestly, is a big thing for me. Like that really helps me relieve a lot of stress. And then just, you know, having a good network around you. My wife is awesome. She kind of talked me off the ledge many times. Yeah, and just all the people along the way, which honestly, I don't remember even 10% of the people like their names or what they did. But like, it's just amazing all the things that people have done along the way. So I try to help out now. So I'm hearing like extreme intention, you know, like putting yourself into a mindful place where you could open yourself up to find those answers. I think that's that's a huge catalyst for people that get into this entrepreneurial space. Our business owners are innovative. And then you match that to the level of support in which you mentioned. So you've got intention and support is just a core ingredient for how you've brought this forward. Okay, how would you recommend somebody's listening to this episode? How did you go about approaching it like that? Did you say like, you know, like when we say, you know, pure intention, you do it through meditation. Was that an intentional action that you took or was it something that you kind of happenstanced on? Well, I I don't know. You're kind of getting into a metaphysical question as to whether or not anything we do is intentional or it just happens. (laughs) True. But like, I think that you can train your brain to be more intentional. And I think that entrepreneurs have a tendency to be less intentional because they have so many ideas and there can oftentimes be all over the place. And that was one of my biggest weaknesses when I first started out was like, there was a million things we could do with our software, right? When you're doing document management, well, everyone needs document management. So I remember this one birthday I had, I think it was like, I don't know. I don't remember which one it was, but I had a birthday where literally I sat at a Starbucks for like 10 hours, parsing out contract clauses in a construction contract that ended up being 500 pages long because I had decided we should explore construction contracts, even though I knew we only did insurance policies and it just ruined my birthday. And I kind of always have remembered that ever since, like you got to be really intentional. And that's honestly what I love about the company I'm at right now is we do one thing like landlord insurance. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, that's super interesting. Is that big? Oh, it could be a big market that just kind of is untapped right now. So yeah, I think being super, super focused is really, really important. Yeah, relentlessly specialize. You know, I think yeah. that's that's a big piece of it. So when you say, you know, when we have that conversation, I think clarity is everything. And I think that's the number one trigger that we have found in serving clients in the entrepreneurial space. There's just such a lack of clarity. And clarity, you need that first to understand what actions you need to take. You need clarity to understand the actions. Those fuel our confidence. That in turn gives us the ability to take big risk, okay? And so somebody's risk adverse, that's a strategic approach to taking risk, right? It's somewhat formulated. Chris, as I describe that, what do you relate to the most as far as like having the clarity? Is it the action piece? Is it the confidence component? And and then just being a risk taker, what are you relating to the most there? I'm kind of curious. Uh, just a conversation actually that I've been having with my son, one of my sons about, so he plays soccer, you know, and I talked to him about risk taking and, you know, the, the thing that I keep saying to him is action creates attitude. It's like from some poster, like some motivational poster, I think somewhere that I saw along the way. 
it's really hard to change your attitude, right? It's really hard to change your thoughts. If you are angry and you try to say, I'm not angry anymore, you're not going to stop being angry. But what you can do in that situation is do something like as loving for someone, right? And then that starts to change how you feel internally. And so the same applies to business, right? Your actions will determine how your attitude, you know, exists and it will impact the attitude of the rest of your team even more so. And so getting that part right, you know, like, you know, if you show up and do X, lots of people will think, okay, X was the right thing to do. It's just something that's been in front of mind recently. The other thing that popped in my brain is just this old axiom, uh, pick a niche, get rich. I've always thought about that. I learned that actually when I was a lawyer. Um, I remember this exercise back in the day when I thought I wanted to be a big insurance partner. And so, and this is actually when I went down the path of how important marketing is and branding. So I was in a law firm of 100 plus construction attorneys, 100 plus construction litigators. That's a lot of lawyers doing the exact same stuff. And there's only so many large construction firms that hire large construction litigation firms, right? And so I was like, I had this like moment of realization where I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can literally feel everyone around me. I was like, what is different about me than everyone else? And I was like a second year associate at the time. I don't look different than anyone else in this hundred person law firm. And so at that point, I like started thinking about, okay, what can I write about or talk about within construction that no one's talking about? And that was actually my first really successful marketing foray where I did a legal blog, which was pretty cool back then, like cutting edge. This is again, 2006, 2007 timeframe. Right? That was cutting edge back then though. <laughs> yeah. I started a, it was a legal blog called greenbuildinglawupdate.com. Still exists. Another attorney's writing for it. But like I started writing about all the legal issues that I thought were going to emerge from green buildings, which was a new thing at the time. And I even coined this phrase like litigation, which is like the lead certification was something for green buildings. And I was like, there's going to be litigation around this certification thing. Some people liked it that I called it that. Some people did not, but like it definitely stuck. I also tried to like copyright that, which was a terrible idea. So got a little, so that's a I guess. process, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody owns lead, right? The word lead, L-E-E-D. And so to add a few letters to it, you can't just copyright or trademark or whatever it is. And so, but like that blog led to speaking opportunities, which led to more writing opportunities, which is great. Except for I was an associate that's supposed to be billing 2,000 hours a year. So then I started understanding the economics of big law firms. And I was like, man, this is tough. Like I'd have to build 2,000 hours and then do 500 to 1,000 hours of building my own practice. That's a lot of time. And so then you start thinking, that's when I think kind of the entrepreneur bug struck a little bit because I was like, okay. I can work for everyone else and then try to squeeze in this time to build my practice or I can just do it on my own. And so I just started doing it on my own. What have you found the most fulfilling in this, Chris? I mean, like your ability to switch gears, you know, to go from what you've just described to be a hundred person law firm where you're kind of like everybody else operating in the same way to the path of being an entrepreneur, which is the path of most resistance, right? It's not clearly laid out. It's not always the easiest way. But what allowed you to make that decision to move? Like, what was it that was driving you in that direction? 
honestly, at the time, it was I did not like dealing with other lawyers. <laughs> like, I did not like the conflict, the tension that exists when you're fighting another lawyer. There's this one attorney in particular, he works for the Department of Justice, where, you know, and he he knew that he was outmanned in terms of we had more firepower on our side, more money to spend, more lawyers. And he had lots of cases. He's one lawyer. And so he actually told me, he's like, uh, after the case, he explained, he's like, I was like, why were you sending me one sentence emails 50 times a day in 20 point font in different colors? He's like, oh, it was like mental warfare, Chris. It was like, I, I knew that I was outmanned. So I just kept sending you stuff to keep you busy. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I never want to do that ever again. So thank you. And there's wow. a right. Yeah. So like, and like the other thing is like as a lawyer, I felt like I was tearing stuff down instead of building things up. Right. And so yeah, it kind of, I don't know, the this world suits me a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what has been your biggest failure, Chris, in this space of being an entrepreneur? What would you say, what's an experience or a situation that you have felt that that was, wow, that was my big failure? Uh, I wish I had kept us more focused on one particular product instead of like trying to do three or four different things. And, you know, it's something now that it's really helping me at Steadily where I see like, okay, once you figure out the flywheel, once you figure out the machine, That doesn't mean move on to the next machine. It means keep that machine going, like figure out how to get that machine running where you don't have to touch it. And so that's what I'm really focused on right now is like, okay, I figured out here that there's one particular type of partner that works really well. And so now let's go and let's go hit that and all, you know, swallow that entire channel before we move on to the next. So I'm trying to be mindful of that. Yeah, no, because I think it's that, you know, that turns us into mastery, right? That level of mastery. When you do it, yeah. you just become the, the the expert. And like you said, I mean, we're talking about relentlessly specializing, finding that niche in your area, and then just you turn it out and that's what you're known for. But yes, I, I agree with you. And I think most entrepreneurs will say that, that we didn't focus on one area. We didn't master it and move on to the next. We just, yeah. we tried to master 10 and then we become the bonus of nothing at that point. Okay, so let's have the sustainability conversation. I mean, how much of the word sustainability do you actually try to bring forward in your business, your practice? You know, I always like to say, don't build something we can't sustain. So like, be really clear in advance, you know, what we're building and then asking ourselves before we keep going, is that sustainable? Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that's shifted over the last two years or so, right? Like sustainability among technology companies was one thing and now it's a different thing. And I definitely way, way, way more metrics focused than I was before. A lot of that is because I joined Steadily where they already had product market fit on a landlord insurance policy, right? And so my job now is to find partners that connect us with owners that need a landlord insurance policy. And so how much are we willing to spend on these partners that are referring in these leads? Are the leads actually closing? Like I on LinkedIn, I talk about a lot now, like I am learning SQL, right? The coding database, like how to code databases and queries and all that stuff. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I'm so much more data-driven bef- now than I was before. I think before is like when I was at a startup, like at Risk Genius, it was like, okay, we're trying to get the product market fit for our 
key product. And that's when I go back and say, I made a mistake because I didn't get to product market fit for one particular use case. So now here, you know, we, I would, I'm certain we have product market fit on landlord insurance policies. So now I'm like, I have a subset, which is these partners we work with, which is lenders, property managers, and prop techs. If any of those are listening, call me because I want to partner with you. I'm going to pay you money. I'm now thinking, okay, how do I create product market fit for these particular partners, right? A product doesn't necessarily have to be a software application that you log into. It could be literally the most perfect form somebody's ever seen for their particular industry where they can sign up and start getting paid referral fees like right away. They love that. They don't need some complicated application. So yeah, that's kind of when I think about sustainability, I think about, you know, metrics, profitability and like product market fit as a subset, right? Like how, how do you get better and better at what you do? Absolutely. No. And I think that's, that's definitely poignant. Okay. So we're in this place where we're going to have to wrap up this podcast episode, but you know, like the having it all, like we've, we've talked a lot of, you know, making decisions, having the clarity, finding a niche, sustainability, but what does true having it all mean for you, Chris, in your career and in the space that you are filling right now? What is that? Mm, I, I don't think you get to have it all, honestly. Like, I think that that's a misnomer in that, you know, there's a lot of things I would love to do. I'd like to work it steadily and do what I'm doing. I'd like to code on the side and learn how to code. I'd also like to learn how to create databases. I'd also sort of like to ride my bike. I'd also like to hang out with my family. I'd also like to watch all the TV shows on Netflix that I haven't watched yet. I'd also like to watch all the sports. You just Anyone who is a good entrepreneur is going to have more stuff to do than they have time to do. And so I think like coming to terms with, I don't get to do everything. Like I get to choose what I'm going to do and then being okay with that. So I guess like having it all is getting comfortable with it. I don't get to have it all. <laughs> I love it. No, and, and you're absolutely right. And I think what a great way to to end this conversation because you're absolutely right. I don't think, I mean, it's like the definition of success, right? It's going to be different yep. for everybody. And yep. I think you just have to embrace and just be aware of like, what is that for you? And just being able to say, I mean, if I have all of these things, I can only do a little bit of all of it. I can't just immerse myself into into just one. But that also sounds like it gives you the peace and the comfort to keep keep on keeping on and take it to the next level. So where can we find you, Chris? I mean, like, so you say if these people are out there, how can we reach you directly? And yes, it'll be in the show notes, but like, we want to hear from you. How can we connect with you? Yeah, I'd say LinkedIn is the place where I play a lot, right? Because I have like 150,000 followers. I talk about what I'm working on all the time, have this great community of people building stuff and they mostly insurance people, but like also startup people and technology people, whoever, right? So find me on LinkedIn. And you can also email me. My email's out there, but it's like cheatham at steadily.com. Happy to talk about whatever. People ping me for career advice. People ping me for landlord insurance advice. It doesn't really matter. I'm happy to have conversations just like this. Yeah, no, I think that's very powerful. Chris, this has been a delight. Thanks again for giving us our time on this episode. And we'll look forward to having you back as we adventure into the next thing. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Now, if this conversation sparked something for you, can you do me a favor? Go to Apple Podcasts and follow the show and leave a review. Your feedback tells other business leaders like you how it's possible for them to have it all too. Next, if you're a leader with a lot on your plate, I created something just for you. It's called the Daily Something. It's a mobile coaching tool designed to help you create the habit of having it all in your business and your life. So you can learn more about it by going to marlohiggins.com 
clicking on the daily something in the navigation bar.